0: of Twitter earlier I uh, came across the unfortunate news that there's going to be a Willy Wonka prequel mm-hmm. which you know a fuck you and B I think what it was one of our friends at the discord earlier pointed out that maybe those parts of the book shouldn't
1: be uh literalized Willy Wonka colonialism. Yeah. Wait, is that where he
2: saves the Oompa Loompas?
1: Yes. <laughs> saves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big air quotes on yeah, yeah. saves there.
2: <laughs> Don't they live on, like, a planet where there's, like, giant worms that want to kill them, like,
1: Dune? I think, I think it's an island. Yeah, they're from, like, an island. And there's, like, bugs. It's, like a jungle.
2: Yeah. No, yeah, they're from, like, Mars. Uh, they
0: showed that, or... uh, like, in the that shitty uh, the Donnie Depp remake. Yeah. And it was, it was sloppy there, but <laughs> this is, I think, kind of going to go for something of more, like, prestige- I mean, just because it's called Wonka, Ugh. and it's starring Timothy...
1: Chalamet.
0: Yeah, from... What does it call me by your name? I don't know. I just... I mean, we'll see how they uh, they translate that, but it was just a pretty sharp grimace when I, <laughs> when I saw that.
2: I just want to see how Willy Wonka gets to their island. Does he I just mean, rip a the hole demon in the time space? I don't. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> like the man makes candy that lasts forever, I guess, and he's got a flying sure. elevator. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, what, what's dimensional so travel? The Ch- chocolate factory is just the first book, right? And then they get,
2: yeah, they they get real they weird, weird yeah, after one. that. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I think Chelsea was telling me about that before. Um, I mean, I, I did see like I actually, I I actually did see some defenders out there that are like, it's the people that made.
1: I think Paddington or Paddington 2 and I was like I don't Oh yeah, the two highest rated movies of all time. Uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Which I uh, uh, have not seen either of. Nope. I'm sure they're fine.
3: <laughs> I hear they're
2: lovely. I, I yeah. I... Wait, like Paddington Bear? Yeah. yeah. Uh that sounds adorable. Uh, yeah,
0: I'm you no, know, I'm I'm sure it is. Maybe it's just this after this past like year and a half I don't trust joy right now. So it's Yeah. Like... <laughs> But they yeah, I think they're they're sitting at a pretty toasty hundred percent, right? Like no one said mm-hmm. a bad thing to say. Mm-hmm. Where's Armin White at to come
2: in and you know Bring down
0: the not, hammer? Yeah, not not getting
1: Yeah, bring down the hammer on <laughs> Paddington a to the Bear. <laughs> he did it with like Toy Story, right? Well,
0: yeah, well. And No Country and a whole bunch of other.
2: What a monster.
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, hello there everyone, and welcome back to Hot Button. I'm Randall Beatrice, here with Austin Blakesley and Yo. Chris Nudeboom. Hello. Uh, today, we're here to talk about the legend, Mr. Donkey Kong himself. <laughs> the, the Pac-Man kill-screen-getting-hot-sauce-slinging-magnet of endless
1: controversies, Billy Mitchell. Well... Mitch. <laughs> We're here to talk about the lead-up to Billy Mitchell. Yeah. Uh,
0: he's the uh, the on-and-off holder of, of various gaming-related world records and kind of the arcade's classic nemesis as well, uh, with much of his infamous return to fame coming post-release of the documentary film the King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, uh, along with the still ongoing feud with the sometimes questionable organization and Guinness partner, not the beer, Twin Galaxies. Yes, the beer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, prepare yourselves because this one is quite the roller coaster. Uh, even in recent years, the story keeps changing. Thankfully, Chris is uh, with us to educate us all and dive deep into his American flag tie wearing career. Also, I should state right now that uh, Billy and his estate are known for being uh, very litigious against anyone who dare to publicly uh, slight him. Uh, So if we're lucky, we may even get sued
1: ourselves. Um. (laughs) A boy can dream. (laughs) Mm.
2: Nothing beats getting a hot subpoena.
1: (laughs) Guinness Book of World Records was started by the beer company. Yes. Wait, is that true? Yes.
2: They just separated from
1: them. They, yeah, okay. it's a different business now, but it was started by the beer company. No shit. That's why it's called Guinness Book of World Records. All right,
0: I, I learned something today. Yeah. And I had tons of those books growing up and roommates that, you know, obsessively drank that beer, but mm-hmm. never made the connection.
2: Did they also listen to Flogging Molly and. Celebrate Saint Patrick's Day religiously?
0: <laughs> no, although I, I one of them is very Irish. Uh-huh. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, so I, we're going to do this in two parts, uh, and uh, and also uh, a uh, a commentary of that of that that feature I just named. Which uh, what God? What year did that come out? Because I don't think I've seen it since
2: two thousand seven. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, I was gonna, I was going to say late two thousands. I didn't know the exact year. And
0: that'll and that'll be cool to have some some content uh, or context rather. Uh, because uh, I'm i I'm sure I'm much more um, uh, in the now now than I probably was when I was 17. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, that, that movie uh, is very much, I mean, would you manipulative is maybe a bit... Manipulative. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's edited in such a way to further demonize...
2: Yeah. I, I think it would be probably best to describe it as like a docudrama... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I There imagine... is kind of a
0: pro- pseudo-protagonist, too, yeah. which documentaries they, don't The way that the they
2: length. frame the characters is not really, yeah. uh, you know, truthful to who they are in real life. Uh,
0: I mean, I remember being a very entertaining movie. Like it's It a, is. It's a, it's a good it story. Is. Well, it's
1: framed. The way they present it. It's but... framed in, it's edited and framed in such a way to present a narrative. Yes,
2: very that much narrative so. yeah. may
1: not be hundred percent accurate but you, <laughs> as opposed it to is most documentaries yeah yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah are you, are you ready to take us back to
0: the neon lit 80s or is yeah. it, or is it even further uh 1981
2: 1981 okay that's what I thought okay. I can't remember what happened in 1981 but uh blue Monday came
1: out. Oh, what a good year! <laughs> yep, what a good year. That was the most important the thing that happened in 1981. I can't think of anything. Neither else off can the top I. Of my I head. wasn't alive. But that doesn't mean that I know about New... things that happened before I was alive. That doesn't mean that New Order was the most important thing in the eighties, dude. <laughs> just because you think so. Well, Chris, what else important happened in the eighties? Well,
2: <laughs> oh my God, what a perfect segue! <laughs> Twin Galaxies first began as an arcade in 1981 in Atumwa, Iowa.
0: Ah, the, the most popular hangout for the arcade studio. for the arcade industry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: after a specific magazine shot them into the limelight, Twin Galaxies garnered partnerships with many different video game companies as well as Guinness Book World Records. Yeah. Serving as Guinness's de facto branch of video game world records, Twin Galaxies for many years was the official scorekeeper for many of the arcade classics.
0: Yeah, they're the authority that kind of keeps track of all that. Yep.
2: Right? It's still around today, albeit under new ownership. Yeah, and, uh, but you, I mean, you'll get to that. I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it continues to have a following that reaches across many different video game genres even today. And we can't really talk about Twin Galaxies without talking about the man himself, Walter Day, the yeah. original owner and operator. Which, so. which
0: I will say, uh, uh, Twin Galaxies is still kind of forever associated with that era. More yes. Than, like, yeah.
2: It was really revolved around Walter Day. He was sort of the personality, the the leading figure in it. Yeah. And very interesting guy overall. I mean, obviously, since I'm on the podcast, you know that there's legal briefs coming eventually. <laughs> but uh, Walter Day himself... So he was actually born out in California in 1949 in Oakland, California,
3: and he could definitely
2: be described as a man of many hobbies. Hmm. So prior to Twin Galaxies, Day had a wide variety of jobs. At some point, he sold business cards for a living. He pursued folk music. He tried creative writing. He collected commemorative newspapers, and he was actually a professional ragtime piano player for a bit.
0: Have you heard any of his uh, like music? No,
2: you know, I have not, piano but piano I imagine it's got to be pretty good. <laughs> like Playing ragtime just seems immensely difficult. Yeah,
0: and then definitely not in the same wheelhouse as folk, so... It's... Yeah.
1: Better or worse than L. Ron Hubbard's music? Uh, <laughs> Slightly better than the... Have you heard L. Ron Hubbard's horse, <laughs> horse no. album? It is... It's something else. A, a treat. Is it better than the Russell Crowe's album? <laughs> no. Oh,
0: Manson's still at the top, right? <laughs> I guess. <technical laughs> of yes, default. Like yeah.
2: What about like the Joe Pesci Christmas album?
0: Oh, uh, he has a rap album. Yes, as he well. does. He right. does. Have you heard Vin Diesel's new music? No, I didn't know Vin Diesel was even a musician. He
1: since last year he is.
0: I prefer that H. John Benjamin album where he he doesn't know how to play the piano. Yeah, and it's oh just God. a jazz album
2: where he doesn't. Know That's even better. <laughs> All right, sorry. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Walter Day, just prior to founding Twin Galaxies, he was actually working as an oil broker in Houston, uh, <laughs> where he was working on a book of the Who's Who of the petroleum industry. Wow. So how did this man end up opening an arcade? <laughs> Such a free spirit. Yeah, because he wasn't like a big gamer
0: himself, for the right, or maybe he started well, off with a passion for it.
2: One day his co-writer on his Who's Who of the Oil Barons book was fed up with editing and he actually told him I can't take this I just have to play some Space Invaders. <laughs> and day following I hear Austin say that while he's arcade. editing all the time. It's it, it comes natural. <laughs> and he was quoted saying I went on the road as a traveling salesman and I would stop and play video games. When I opened up my arcade in 1981 uh, that was just an excuse to play video games.
1: By the way Space Invaders sucks, dude.
2: What? Space Invader's is great. I also th- wait. I also,
0: what year did Space Invaders, That might have been 1980. Pac-Man was like 80, 81.
1: Well, ah, had, Pac-Man I, was very early 80s. I was like, we covered. Space Batman, Invaders I, was late 70s. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe.
0: One. No, I think you. I think you might be right.
2: Regardless, mm-hmm. Walter Day kind of rules.
0: Mm-hmm. So, as
2: someone who enjoys like viewing and analyzing odd hobbies, this guy is just a gold mine. Cool. Uh, to be called eclectic is kind of an understatement.
0: It, it does sound like a man of many. Different, like, <laughs> like I pray, so many disparate interests. It's...
2: I I pray that his oil baron book got published because I want a copy of it <laughs> so bad. And like, it makes total sense too. It might be a little outdated, but uh, like, Walter Day is just such a free spirit. <laughs> and like, around the time that he actually was uh, making his oil barons book, the thing you got to remember is like, why would anybody want to buy a book about oil tycoons in in Texas in the eighties? Well, I feel like your brother would buy that. He would a little <laughs>
1: show called Dallas. Dallas. Uh, uh, oh. If you don't know about the never-ending
0: fucking
2: who shot Jr.
0: Is that was that the oh okay yeah yeah.
2: If you don't know cool. about Dallas, uh, <laughs> I I what I don't know the average age of your listener, but
1: either ask your parents or you know about it. Also, to finish your question, yes, that's where Who Shot Mr. Burns came yes. from. Yes, no, I knew that. I w- I was more talking about the uh, the it's all a dream. Was that trope no. born and. In- That was not Dallas. Okay. That was saying Elsewhere, which was a hospital (laughs) uh, show. All right. I I mixed up my soaps. The second Bob Newhart show. So, Bob Newhart had a show called The Bob Newhart Show. Uh huh. And then he had another show called Newhart. And the season finale for Newhart is him waking up with his (laughs) wife from The Bob Newhart Show saying that the second show was all a dream. (laughs) It's like the, the ending of the G4 wow. from the yeah. first show. Are
0: you sure I'm older than you? That's it.
2: Yeah, thank you for <laughs> explaining that for Randy, because you and I clearly both knew that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've seen
0: it parodied enough, and then I think they brought Dallas back at They at one point. Also,
1: yeah. Roseanne was all a dream. That,
0: yeah, there's the last season where I think she wins the lottery. I've She never, wins I've the never lottery and her book Roseanne.
1: gets published, and then it turns out that her husband actually died. Died, yeah. Like <laughs> drunk. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well... Uh, so, yeah. That's insane. Uh, he definitely knows how to capitalize on, like, what's hot in the moment. Yeah, yeah, it uh, like I mean, you got it if you're selling commemorative newspapers, right? Uh, he also, he actually <laughs> thought about created it. his own set of trading cards as well, similar to baseball cards, okay. on the most random topics. <laughs> would Collectible you like to oil take, tycoon cards? Would you like to take a guess on some of the categories and cards he made?
0: Um,
2: Musicians? I mean, if he was probably okay i only wrote down like six here Uh, is one is
0: one like like moguls like is it or just all right (laughs) think
2: about what think about twin galaxies what would be it what would be an easy show-in for a trading card series
0: it would be professional like players right yeah yeah
2: what do you think card zero zero one is
0: billy mitch alexi push
2: it's billy miller it's Billy Mitchell, but I uh, oh he there's a under... printing error.
0: Oh, okay, I thought he was like an alias. Situation. No,
2: yeah, the the note includes it had an original print around wow. of twenty five, but thirty two copies were printed. All were hand numbered, and along with another error card, uh, we are considered the rarest and most sought after cards in the entire Walter Day collection. How much do you think that's fucking worth? Nothing. Oh, but I want it. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted well, to. Well, that's why
0: I uh, when you said uh, like trading cards, I thought that was the obvious guess. Yeah. But like they they probably have to do something like that now with streamers. He he influences. just kind of he know. just kind of has
2: oh, his sure. interest and he just prints cards and hands them out to people. That's like, fun. He did uh, World War II historical trading cards. Where Oh, your dad would kill <laughs> oh, yeah. for a President Roosevelt's death <laughs> rookie. <laughs> like holographic. The, he did like, one for science fiction and there's a card for hg wells he did some for comic book writers and artists and uh he also did one for business card historians
0: man well he was very forward thinking because you know it's real hot right now (laughs) collectibles (laughs) so you might be asking (laughs) yourself
2: how did twin galaxies become so well recognized as the scorekeeping authority
0: yeah like what kind of catapulted them into that stardom like
2: well when Day heard about a kid beating the world record on Defender, uh, with a score of 15.9 million, Defender. Day had actually called Defender's creators, Williams Electronics, which I believe make pinball machines. Yeah. Hey, right. Uh, because a local kid in his arcade had just smashed that record by about nine million points.
0: And I, I've played Defender. It's hard. I didn't it's even know, hard. I don't even know you can score that high.
2: He was basically told by the company that they didn't keep track of high scores.
0: Oh, that's funny.
2: Nor did anybody else, for that matter.
0: But so, it's like on the cabinet, like
2: yeah, I, yeah. But I don't.
1: They, I'm trying to remember. Like right, but a, we're some talking of the first... about, like a central authority to keep right. all high school. You gotta, yeah.
2: you gotta also remember too when it comes to arcade machines. When you <laughs> reset, what happens when you reset? Yeah. Right, yeah, like that's I'm.
1: My bet that my favorite episode of Seinfeld. Oh, uh, when
2: he resets the Frogger score. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Or no, when he keep, when he hooks the Frogger machine up to a battery so that it can keep, yeah. his, it high can score. keep his high score.
2: I <laughs> uh, yeah. So he he was basically told that no one kept scores, and he <laughs> decided he would be the one to keep track. And from there, he sure, started yeah. the Twin Galaxy scoreboard. And within six months, he said he was getting something like seventy-five calls per day. From people checking oh, the yeah. high score or thinking that they were the world champion at something. You gotta remember this oh. is nineteen eighty one. Yeah. So people were dialing him off the hook, long distance calls to check to see if they were like the best
0: gamer. I'm sure it probably flocked people to his arcade too. Like yeah, yeah like, like
2: and I wanna be on the board. Obviously the running motif with Walter Day is his ability to be on top of the latest trends out there. Right? He sold those commemorative newspapers, he mm-hmm. worked as an oil trader. At the peak of uh, oil's cultural relevance, and now he was keeping high scores during the golden age of video games, right?
0: And <laughs> we're right, we're, we're like right before the crash. Right, right before it. Yeah. Uh, well, the right golden be- age
1: of arcades, arcade right? arcade yeah, yeah, yeah. video games. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well,
2: it he, never got better than those. Never got better. Yeah, yeah. When did E. T. come out? <laughs> Uh, right
0: at the crash. Was that 82 or
2: 83? So some of those key moments from the Golden Age, right? You have the Space Invaders, 1978. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it was late 70s. Asteroids, right. 1979. Uh, and then Tron in 82.
0: And you got your vector graphic stuff in there. You know, yeah.
2: yeah. Twin Galaxies was basically the pinnacle of... A also, n- that Tron game is dope. I mean, it is.
0: I, awesome. I really like that. Oh. <laughs> I love that game.
2: It was really the pinnacle of a niche hobby for the next six months until Life magazine decided to do an article on the burgeoning video game trend. Oh, man. And this is what really propelled the language is like in man. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, <Uh-oh>, dude. <laughs> uh, so, reporters found Day basically the same way that others had by being referred to by different electronics and video game companies. Yeah. They were like, hey, who should we go to to interview about video games? And since he knew all these video game companies, we need a face. Like, we need a face. Yeah. Talk to Walter Day in Ottumwa, Iowa. Right. <laughs> but getting Life Magazine to write about you isn't that easy. So, like, during the conversation uh, that Life and Walter Day uh, had, make no mistake, Day wanted them to cover him. Right. And in order to entice them, he had promised that he could get the top players in the country to come to Ottumwa, Iowa for. Basically, life's photographers to go do a photo shoot.
0: So I'm just laughing at the idea of like flying out from like New York or LA or or, or something, you know, just like
2: (laughs) and Iowa. You got to remember too, to put in perspective, at this point, Twin Galaxies was still less than a year old. It's quick, uh, some quick success. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, think about how fast it fizzled as well. True, right? (laughs) And all of this happened on a cold and blustery winter weekend in november of 1982 and to walter day's credit he did make it happen he actually brings up a a good point in a lot of interviews talking about it uh, because he vividly recalls the extensive process it took to get some of the players to actually come how do you
0: entice uh
2: well, not only did he have to pick up a lot of these guys from the airport and pay for their hotel rooms for the weekend, Uh-oh. but apparently, and rightfully so, he spent a lot of time talking to the parents of these kids because they had no idea why a 33-year-old man from Matumwa wanted to bring their child out to Iowa for a weekend to play in a video game competition. <laughs> Right. And eventually, though, with the help of Life's magazines, editors and photographers, uh, he was able to convince most of the top players across the country to attend. Yeah. Uh, and for reference, the age of the competitors ranged from 14 to 30.
0: Was there no cutoff, I guess?
2: Yeah. Best player.
0: Like that? <clears throat> OK. Yeah. That's it. it should be. Also, Life is no longer around, correct?
1: Life is not now. OK. I,
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. I think they went under... Maybe a better part of a decade ago? I think
1: they merged with time.
0: Oh, that makes sense. They had the same, like, red... Yeah. Life and time
1: <laughs> to make life and times? <laughs> yeah.
0: That's mm. what they should have done. Really rebrand.
2: But... Yeah. <laughs> some of the people that came, they were local enough to drive, and apparently there were some people there with vanity plates that read, like, VidWiz and D-Kong. Oh, man. Yeah. Or, like, really some passionate people. Names. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's also the setup for the movie Pixels. <laughs> PT-dubs. Is it Maybe I, I saw it yeah. I don't remember. You fell asleep like 30 minutes into that movie. I, and everyone I else was forced, forced to I never fall asleep. Watch
0: I never fall asleep watching movies. You're very drunk. And the,
2: probably yeah. the only reason you <laughs> uh, watched pixels it. Yeah,
0: I think it, it was a mathematical formula that I guess I didn't figure out but yeah. <laughs>
1: so I just remember it cuz I was very there was a bunch of people sleeping around me and I was watching <laughs> pixels by myself. <laughs> At like three in the morning, just going. What did I? What have I done?
2: <laughs> what have you done to deserve that? Yeah. Punishment?
1: What am I? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> it was probably your idea. It was.
2: <laughs> so, like on that Saturday night, which right? that movie will come up again later, oh. I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, it should. <laughs> like they really just ripped it out of like this storyline. Totally. They really did. And I mean, just
0: the most exaggerated oh, fucking.
2: Was, they t- they cranked it to fifteen, oh, yeah. not even eleven.
0: I mean, not even to comment on how t- fucking terrible the movie is, just the portrayal of the, the Mitchell the yeah. character and all that. Yeah. But sorry, I, d- I didn't mean to. No, uh, no, you're cut good. You off, you're but... good. So during
2: that weekend on that Saturday night, the group was photographed in the street outside the arcade with players hunched over arcade machines as cheerleaders from the local high school shook pom poms. <laughs> if you're interested in reading the Life article, you can still find it online. From oh, cool. Their, from their January 1983 <laughs> issue with the aforementioned photo cheerleaders included. <laughs> mm-hmm. A second photo shoot was scheduled originally. However, the logistics behind getting the cabinets in a cornfield proved too unwieldy.
1: Why didn't they just like use a prop? <laughs> Why didn't they just take pictures in the arcade? What did move the movie? The lighting cabinets? isn't as good, they, man. I huh? mean, if
2: you, if you look at the photo, they're in like the center street of a tumwa and it's like all the dudes just hanging out on their machines. And then like the local high school cheerleaders in front, <laughs> And They wanted to
0: the show that nerds could go outside. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Yeah. And one of those players that was photographed, it. none other than Billy Mitchell. Hey. Peter
0: how how, how yeah. old was Peter Dinglin? How, how old is he at this point, you think? Is, and think he's a teenager. A teenager? Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, a very gangly teenager with a, a <laughs> pretty wispy mustache. Definitely more Weird Al than Burt Reynolds. <laughs> He didn't have and his tie in though. No. <laughs> but, again, we'll be talking about him much later in his yeah, involvement yeah, yeah. with Twin Galaxies, right? But not only was the, this life photo shoot the first time a major outlet covered video games, but it was also the first documented inc- uh, incidents of deception. Uh, Something that we will yeah. definitely <laughs> speak more about. Wow, it didn't take long. <laughs> no. At this photo shoot, there was a teenager. His name was uh, Steve Sanders, a.k.a. the original King of Kong. He was just a young kid, kid from Clinton, Missouri, who also happened to be the world record holder of Donkey Kong at the time. You could see him in the photo in front of the DK cabinet with a bio that reads: "Steve Sanders, eighteen, Clinton, pinned three million one hundred sixty-five thousand Donkey Kong tails."
0: God, bring these types of articles back.
2: Uh, can, can you spot the? Can you spot the issue with that though? And no, I'm not talking about the fact that whoever wrote tails at the end of the bio never even bothered to check that Donkey Kong is an ape and not a fucking donkey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he I mean, doesn't have a tail. 3,165,000 is more than the score from the movie, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's It's like the
0: game is not...
2: Yep. Yeah. Uh, the maximum possible score for Donkey Kong is 1.3 million. Right. That's right. What, yeah, I,
0: yeah, I thought it was like mm-hmm. 1.5 or something, but I knew it was not I, 3 million. Because I remember,
1: isn't a big part of the movie, King of Kong, like the race to a million? Yeah, yeah. getting
2: over a million. So you're yeah. saying something's fishy. Mm. <laughs> the current world record is 1.26 million, which funnily enough was set just close to a year ago. Uh, by a guy yeah. named Robbie Lakeman from Concord, New Hampshire. So,
0: And he's been at it for a, a while, I think, too. Yeah.
2: I mean, you got to be. Mm-hmm. like Robbie, if you're listening to this, congrats. Yeah. That is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and to give some additional context to this, the Donkey Kong record yeah. is now in the realm of, like, please bless me, R and Jesus. Oh, yeah. Okay, you were talking to me yeah. about this. Right,
1: because 1.3 is like a theoretical maximum, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. Which yeah. is
0: why there was like some sort of assistance in figuring that out. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. like not only in, in the past ten years we've really come far in being able to not only theorize but also simulate potential high scores for games. So back in like twenty ten, yeah. uh, the highest possible okay. score was around one point one five million, and more recently we've seen TAS emulation with scores of over two million being possible. But it you need frame by frame like manipulation and analysis. I mean
0: that's definitely something that like it makes a task like so fascinating sometimes yeah. to to, to watch. For those of you listening like...
1: that don't know, that uh-huh. is tool assisted speed run. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. When basically, I said assistance, I meant like computer. Yeah, that's basically assistants. when a computer plays the game. Yep. And yeah. And plays it perfectly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: They get the perfect, just perfect random number generator, maximum score. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, ca- it
0: calculates like pretty much what an ideal route would be and, and yeah. they, have, they have it for everything Mario and
2: yep it's it's Back crazy in. if you ever want to check out just like see a game utterly dismantled just watch a task yeah but, yeah but what's certain now is that uh, Steve Sanders was clearly lying about his record and at the event itself he played a few games where he couldn't break 200,000 points it was suspiciously a bad day for someone who claimed to have broken uh, more than 10 times that amount
0: yeah, that seems like a pretty bold lie.
2: I mean, the game was only out for, at this point, a couple of years. Yeah. like. <laughs> and But what makes this different is that unlike other cases where it has taken 10, 15, 20 years uh, in technical analysis to disprove some records, it actually didn't take long for Steve to come clean. Okay. Uh, after he returned home to Kansas City from that event, Thinking about what had happened, he actually wrote a letter to Walter Day as well as the other Donkey Kong players he knew and competed against. And he has gone on to say, the way it started was that my Donkey Kong high score was beaten maybe by 450,000 points or something. And rather than say, oh, okay, congratulations, and try to get the score back, I just said I scored more than that. And that score, the one I <laughs> Kept invented, multiplying. Like, yeah, right? it got into the Guinness Book of World Records.
0: <laughs> it, it's funny because it doesn't sound like he really planned for it to get out there that way no
1: yeah like it was It seemed you're describing it it as like a spur of the moment like it's like a white lie that got out of control yeah Yeah.
0: i mean good on him for i guess it was just like somebody beat your
1: score he's like i beat that i just (laughs) didn't tell you and then it spiraled just
2: spirals out yeah and in retrospect i think uh he, he is quoted with saying in retrospect i think a lot of the guys were lying Well, (laughs) we were young and restless. We were young teens. (laughs) Walter Day has had this to say in the matter. I think a lot of players were genuinely impressed that Steve had the sand to fess up and apologize and to go on with his life. I think if they weren't impressed, they had their own egos in the way, or they weren't mature enough to realize what an amazing thing he'd done to own up to it. I've always admired Steve for what he did in the face of scorn, and no matter what he's done, the truth is he could still play better than just about anyone else. Sure.
0: And, and it's not like he was profiting on it for like 20 years. No. Was like...
2: <laughs> and I, I don't want to harp on this yeah, like too that. much because, to be <laughs> honest, it doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things. Like, Steve Sanders eventually. It's just interesting uh, like that this started games. this early, though. Like, yeah. You know, like the, like from the, inception. the questionable
0: scores. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, Donkey Kong.
2: He eventually left playing video games. He actually became an attorney and uh, a damn fucking good one at that. He started his own law firm uh, and out in hmm. like Kansas City. Uh, he's married, has five kids, and for what I read, as recent is 2015. He's, ac- he's actually still really good friends with Billy Mitchell. No shit. Mm-hmm. Huh. And after filming The King of Kong in 2006, Billy Mitchell convinced Sanders to give gaming another shot. So huh. Sanders fired up Joust and set the world record for a doubles game. Damn, and still got it. Yeah. <laughs> Three years later, in, in 2009, Mitchell challenged Sanders again, betting him that he could push the score higher and wagering either $1,000 or a pizza. <laughs> Sanders eventually went on to beat his own Joust record in 2011 alongside his 17 year old son. Uh, and Sanders chose the pizza. Yeah. What kind of pizza? Uh, the, can- <laughs> the Kansas City the Kansas grind. City pizza. Uh, yeah. Uh.
1: <laughs> no uh, offense to anybody if we have any <laughs> listeners in Kansas City. I just imagine so. we're just pizza snubs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that he came back though and did it legit. Yeah. Like again, yeah, nothing suspicious about it any of those, right? Like he's just like came in and it's
2: just a wholesome moment. Yeah. And that's great. That father son duo <laughs> then broke the record again in November of twenty twelve and have vowed to continue to play until they break one million points. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like the, uh, have you guys ever played Joust? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've only ever played it multiplayer. It's which.
1: hard as fuck. Yeah. Yes.
2: It is absolutely fucking insane.
0: Mm-hmm. It is. Like, uh, I think Balloon Fight is probably a bit more accessible mm-hmm. than yeah. Joust, <laughs> but similar
2: idea. Almost <laughs> all the records are held by this one guy named Lonnie McDonald, uh, who Steve actually has some records with. Hmm. So, you have like the singles and doubles category. There's a few variations, which is like, do you get an extra life, or is it just you get the three lives, right? And uh, Lonnie and Steve hold the marathon doubles record. Oh, that's cool. They did it together. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, which is set at a nice 40 million points. Jesus. The... Like those numbers gotta be scrolling off the screen. Yeah. <laughs> and the marathon singles record, it's held by a guy named John P. McAllister that was set back in 2018, and it's a fucking staggering 107 million. <laughs> Do you know how long it took him to break that record?
0: Uh I mean I'm gonna say like in hours or years. <laughs> in hours, continuously. <laughs> Uh, I mean, are we are we breaching our, our ten thousand hour rule? Or? No,
2: no, no. I'm saying that to get a hundred and three, oh, hundred seven like million. You mean in how, one how city? Was, okay, I thought you were talking the about his one,
1: How long was the one run? Yeah. Is what he's saying. Fuck. Uh, yeah.
0: Eight hours? Higher. Higher? You got to be <laughs> so fatigued at that point, just like uh twelve. Double it. Twenty four. Double straight it. Out? What? What is he, a robot? I, mean, I said <laughs> double it. Wait, like legitimately 48 hours?
2: Add five. What the fuck? 53 hours and 51
1: minutes. Almost 54. Yeah. Was he on 80s Coke? Like, how? <laughs> you could watch. He's Eagle... so out. You could out watch the, the videotapes.
0: I believe it. It's just that is like you're that StarCraft level of people that
2: die. Yeah. <laughs> in
0: Cafes. That's like,
2: two days straight plus some to beat one record.
0: God, where his hands just permanently fixed like this I, afterwards. I have <laughs> like, no idea how he did it, and then he was blind and
2: like, like it's absolutely insane. You ever stare at those like those old like screens yeah. for too long? They'll like you're like. I ah. think at some point it's just got to be muscle memory.
0: Yeah, he was just on autopilot. Yeah. And the, the rest of the bodily functions were just kind of...
2: You just go into, yeah. like, hibernation mode, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's just got the timing, muscle memory down. But <laughs> but yeah, back to Twin Galaxies. Mm-hmm. So six months after the Life photo shoot in the summer of 1983, things were in full swing. At this point, Walter Day had become the official supplier of verified video game scores for the Guinness World Records. It was the first time that Guinness had ever recognized video games as a valid category, citing the problems they faced with different versions of the game, games, the myriad of bugs, and the inability to verify video game claims through the mail. Hmm. I wonder if, like,
0: pinball had this problem or if that was around the same time that they started documenting that as well, yeah?
2: Yeah this was definitely something that Walter Day and his company Twin Galaxies were uniquely equipped to provide. So
0: this is where the tapes came from, right? Oh yeah. Okay.
2: They were able to provide Guinness with verified scores that were adjudicated in person during a series of annual contests held each summer.
0: They were dedicated. They had witnesses too and stuff like that. You know how you
2: you know how with Guinness, if you want to get a a record verified, you used to have someone present to witness it, right? Yeah,
0: they would send like a representative or two or Like so, it would be like, especially uh, for uh, tests. Like um, they would have designated breaks, and also like they would check hardware. And uh,
2: so, like, did you you guys used to watch the Guinness Show back in the nineties? Yeah,
0: was that on like Spike? Maybe no, or no, that was was Ripley's Believe It or Not. It was on (laughs) network. It was on network TV. Oh, it was on network TV. Okay, I think it was like ABC or something.
2: So yeah, you guys are both familiar with the premise. You'd have the the judge there, the, aka the adjudicator there, who would witness you. Did uh, they have to perform it live? For yeah. the Shoot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, ever, you ever wonder, well, <laughs> you ever wonder? Well, you got to put it together. You ever wonder why Twin Galaxies had the same policy? No, is that? Think about it. If you want to get a record with Guinness Book of World Records, right? Yeah. You need to do it. You could do it live in front of a judge and automatically receive yeah the yes. record. And that is Twin Galaxies policy.
0: Okay. So, I mean, people would just kind of trek out there to yeah. his spot, and then yep. they I, could monitor it themselves and just sort of forward that information to Guinness, cut out like the- Yeah, yeah. pretty much. That makes sense. That's that's because I, I, I thought this was still, you know, when it was like, I guess Iron Galaxies would be the one like reviewing tapes, and then I thought they might copy them and, you know, pass that along to yeah to Guinness.
2: Uh, but, the, the, tapes, the tapes were a way to get around having an adjudicator there. Okay. But the tapes were there I mean For... you probably couldn't get direct feed back then. It was
0: like just like a VHS. No, camera it had to be the... it
2: had to not be a direct feed. Direct feeds disqualified it. Oh. It had to be a videotape of you performing. Oh, okay, it.
0: so they could identify that that yes, was indeed that was the person. You. Yeah, gotcha. we, we've
2: come a long way in technology <laughs> since then.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at this a little bit through like the, the a modern lens of how this stuff is, is yeah. handled. but the only <laughs> way,
2: if you think about it, like the uh, like having the videotape would serve as essentially the judge's eyes, where he b- would be able to see you performing it, it. not like taking breaks or doing whatever, mm. um, and <laughs> fucking with shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And around the same time as getting involved with Guinness, Walter, Billy, and 14 other Twin Galaxies high scorers were laying the foundation for what would eventually become eSports.
0: Yes. Which I think uh, this came up a little bit on the StarCraft episode that we did, right?
2: Yeah. And by eSports, I mean the circus had actually come to town. (laughs) Legitimately. I'm talking (laughs) about a company called Electronic Circus. Oh, wow. Uh, They assembled the first traveling professional troupe of video game players, uh, starring Walter Day at the helm serving as the ringmaster and his top players as the attraction
0: that's such an outdated like you know name and brand for this whole thing
2: 100 (laughs) percent. the plan was to tour 40 cities across north america where the public could attend play the games watch the champions and even challenge the champions if they wanted to if any of the challengers won they would earn the right to replace the current player for the rest of the tour
0: Mm, so this, they're taking this uh
2: this Iowa show on the road, huh? Yep. Yeah. And this was one of the first instances where a gamer could call himself a professional as all the players were under contract. Yeah. While not a typical contract akin to something like a pro athlete, it did pay the players for their appearances. It had some stipulations about a midnight curfew, it forbade <laughs> drugs and alcohol. Yes through rigid guidelines and their conduct around the inevitable groupies. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so wholesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Still, it's it's generous that they're getting,
2: like, some
0: cash, like, for the... Yeah.
2: They're, like, actually getting paid to appear.
0: Yeah, which that... I mean, I think we talked about this in the G4 one a bit, is that went away for, like, you know,
2: a decade yeah. or so. It's like... <laughs> and so the first event they had was in Boston, where they rented out this huge convention hall and set up huge rows of arcade cabinets. The heart was in the right place, and I can appreciate that, but you could probably guess how it went. Poorly. They never made it to the second city. Bummer. I know. <laughs> and during this time, Steve Sanders was the team captain for the team, but only because he was the oldest. Okay. He, he was super invested in this and really wanted to make it work. And when you and say oldest, I mean what? like he had to be like 23. Okay. So th- that has stayed consistent in the
0: world of esports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and
2: after the first show in Boston, he returned to the attic above Twin Galaxies home of the rotating cast of players trying to figure out their next move. And I had a quote that I really wanted to keep in here where it's Steve Sanders talking about it. He says, I still remember waking up in this filthy room at 6 a.m. one morning. The carpets were all shaggy. There were cockroaches running around. It was like God spoke to me at that moment and said, what are you doing here? You're wasting your life. Go back to school and make something yourself. And that was the end of me trying to be a professional gamer. (laughs)
0: The first part of that had some black flag energy and just
2: like... I know! <laughs> like, the second part was like... That's, that's clearly That's clearly like an ace attorney, like, reflecting upon it. Right. Like, saying, like, fucking make something in your life. Stop playing video games for a living. And then you're like, you're right! And then he just leaves, goes to law school. <laughs> like, <laughs> the anti-dream. And, oh. Uh, but yeah, in the wake of the Electronic Circus, they did organize the U.S. National Video Games Team. And unlike the Electronic Circus, the U.S. national team was more focused on trying to make headlines as opposed to uh, putting on a show or an act. Right, yeah. They would travel around the U.S. promoting video games through some pretty creative ways. Spreading awareness. Oh. <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> the mainstream. That awareness and those adventures they read more like a, a comedy of errors than a jaw-dropping <laughs> epic. <laughs> what happened? Car breakdowns, malfunctions, you name it, it happened. They also did some they did some neat stuff, okay, right? They visited the Italian and Japanese embassies in Washington DC to issue challenges for an right. international video game championship. Uh, and what might sound like the most surprising event, Walter and Billy Mitchell traveled around the country debunking bogus scores that players would claim. No shit.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I I would say... (laughs) There's a joke to be made there, or I guess
2: an irony to point out, but... Yeah, 100%, which we will definitely cover. Wow. Uh, But by January of 1984, (laughs) Mitchell was named the Player of the Year at an event in Ottumwa at Twin Galaxies, but sadly, it was the curtain call for the arcade. Like many other arcades that would shutter in 1983 I with the video game crash, Twin Galaxies closed its doors in March of 1984. Oof. That hit them like. Real I, quick. I, yeah. In a span of two years, right? But after Twin Galaxy closed. Ups and downs. Yeah, you're talking about <laughs> a roller coaster ride. But after Twin Galaxy closed, Walter Day continued to work on uh, with Guinness Book Award Records as an assistant editor to submit scores from the Twin Galaxies National Scoreboard. To be published in subsequent pub, uh, printings of the book. Hmm. Essentially, the brick and mortar retail store uh, and arcade that was Twin Galaxies was closed. But Walter continued to utilize the brand and leverage the brand image with his connections at Guinness to do more in the future. And over those next four That's years, a right move. it is. Yeah. It really is. It's like he he realized that the storefront was was gone, but. Uh, he could take the brand image and the brand. It's worth name.
0: something, you know. It's, there's a yeah, there's a community,
2: 100. percent And over those next four years, Day sponsored a ton of different challenges and contests under the Twin Galaxies name, using the U.S. National Video Game Team banner and an association with Guinness Book of World Records. That might sound confusing, but it, imagine an event that was called Twin Galaxies presents the U.S. National Video Game Team attempts to break Guinness Book of World Records of Miss Pac-Man high score
1: live. Brought to you by Prankles. Sponsored also, by you. Check out our Miss <laughs> Pac-Man episode. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Walter Day, he did organize the, the Canada-U.S. video game team conference in late 1984. In, 19, in April of 1985, the Red Cross video game team invited President Ronald Reagan to join the team. <laughs>
1: Hell yeah, dude.
2: <laughs> Can you imagine? You mean the, the Call of Duty character? Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie Reagan behind the paddles. Dude, let's be real. He would be a, he'd be the king of tapper, right? All right, Austin. I got some uh,
0: some Photoshop ideas for. Uh, for this. this It's just
2: cooking <laughs> up, huh? Come
1: Things are already churning up in the old.
2: I really hope it's Ronald Reagan playing a game called like Reaganomics.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're you're getting close. Yes. They also That's held... what Reagan say is.
2: Oh, oh my god!
1: Oh. I... I'll just tell you now. It's gonna be Ronald Reagan. It's gonna be the picture of Twin Galaxies, but Ronald Reagan's gonna be photoshopped on top of the cheerleaders. <laughs> I can't wait. Can it be the
0: can it Can it be the uh, Infinite Warfare or no? Which damn it, which one? A oh, Cold War. Sorry, I, I couldn't remember which cod it was.
2: <laughs> Everyone knows the best cod is when you get to play is JFK. Oh that's, yeah, that's,
0: that's, uh, that's Black, Black Ops, Ops one?
1: one.
2: Yeah. Five, uh, it's Jim Nixon J-
0: and Castro
2: and uh, and, uh McNamara. 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 And
0: McNamara's the one I always forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <it's>
2: so good, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh. the best of any help was hands down the first annual Iron Man contest in 1985. Like the
0: Iron Man, like the, the physical. No, okay, no, sorry. I
2: <laughs> After this Iron Man contest, the Guinness Book of World Records officially authorized the video game team to organize contests, the national video game team to then organize contests. That they you do had, all the... Yeah, the, you, you the do work. all the legwork, we'll oh, yeah. put the records in. <laughs> in hindsight, though, I can tell you that this Iron Man contest was literally impossible. So, <laughs> oh yeah, now I need to know the oh, rules. So in July of 1985, they held the first annual Iron Man contest where contestants would play their games Without pause for as long as they could. Anyone who oh, could... that's
0: like the rock band Bladder of Steel achievement. That's... People dying. <laughs> no, nobody died. But <laughs> nobody sure died here either. Were. Okay, good. But I mean, uh, hey, they're sticking true to its name. I feel less stupid about invoking the, the... <laughs> like, where it comes from. Right. Yeah, the Iron Man. I... So, without pausing.
2: Huh? Without pausing. I and... mean, not a
0: lot of these arcade games probably even had a pause. No,
2: they did not. But they just couldn't take any any breaks of any kind no breaks no sleeping they had to play their games for a uh, 100 <laughs> what? hours what and anyone who reached that's that 100 hours torture hour market, that's like it, it's it's literally impossible tactics but if you did it you got $10,000
1: it's uh it's impossible unless you're uh tool assisted into- you know what i mean uh-huh. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean <laughs> you mean medically <laughs> assisted speed <you're> on- <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah. the 80s after all who-,
0: who was the last person standing like ooh
2: uh Actually, he'll get there. I will oh, get Okay, there. all right. <laughs> it actually, oh, they were built in a government you, lab. Don't worry, I'm gonna hit you with it, and then you're gonna get the call back too. <laughs> yeah. So, it around. this prize was uh, afforded by the Sports Achievement Association, uh, adjusted for inflation. It's equivalent of getting back in twenty five grand. All right, and they delivered. I got that. Well, they—if anybody made it,
0: right, they would have. <laughs> well, if you made the hundred hour mark. Uh, right. Yeah. Sorry. So it's not. It wasn't elimination anyway. It was you had to. Ad- you just had to play it non-stop.
1: To hours.
2: Uh, well, to put I, the, you would get the you would get the world record.
1: To put that out. into perspective okay. for those of you who are bad at math, that's about four, a little over four days. Because four days is ninety six hours. Four days of doing anything. Why I did they die. think that
0: that was like a? It wasn't. Like what? What's the longest that anyone's ever stayed awake? Like. Oh god! Uh, oh. Longer
1: than longer than longer 30s. than hundred hours. Right, yeah. sure. but you
0: start to go pretty
1: oh, yeah, you fucking go mad. Bad shit like insane. yeah, yeah like, like
2: you start to like hallucinate after. I like, tell you, the
1: longest I've ever stayed awake was seventy-two hours. You beat me, but and, and, uh, and, and you get
0: you get you do get pretty delirious at that you point. You do start seeing shit. Yeah. You get the the halos around lights, and then stuff out of the corner of your stuff eye. Stuff
1: moves out of the corner yeah. of your eye. It's very uh, audio kind of uh, yep. hallucinations as mm-hmm. well. Uh, who's there? You know,
0: perfect perfect uh, shape of body and mind to play fucking already brutally hard <laughs> like, games designed uh, game. to eat
2: quarters. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, you want to hear a fun fact about this Sports Achievement Association that uh, that was essentially funding the prize money? Yeah. They hit me with it. They weren't even incorporated. It wasn't even an association at all. It was actually it was owned by a California businessman and its entire purpose was to provide uh, risk reimbursement coverage on special promo sporting events like hole in one contests at golf courses, uh, fishing derbies, bingo games and like people getting what? perfect bowling games like 300s in tournaments. Right. How do I know this? You <laughs> you just look it up and you're like He covered a super bet. At the Chicago Horse Racing Track in 1988, where a dollar buy-in and a ridiculous amount of parlay bets can get you a fifty thousand dollars payout, uh, <laughs> there were three winners, and he never paid the racetrack, so they took him to court. Was, <laughs> and that's fifty thousand dollars in '80s money. Yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> money. Uh, they took him to court. His One lawyer eight. just didn't even respond. Uh, summary judgment was entered, uh, and he owed them about a hundred and thirty-six thousand dollars plus costs. So <laughs> what a chump. You know going into this, there was 0% chance I wasn't going to bring up court filings. It's the only way I know. But back to the national video game team escapades. Uh, this Iron Man event, this 100-hour marathon, one player was eliminated after 39 hours when sweat and oil from his hands caused a joystick malfunction.
0: I well, think you said only 39 hours. Only. Uh, it's <laughs>
2: Dude, another dude played Q-Bert in a recliner for 50 hours before collapsing from exhaustion.
0: A, or, he was in a recliner? How are you guys falling asleep?
2: Up. Yeah. <laughs> he fell asleep. <laughs> the winner apparently played Joust for more than 67 hours on the last day uh, and resorted to blasting himself in the face with Freon to stay
1: awake. Freon.
2: Freon. Is that safe? No. <laughs> it doesn't sound
1: it safe. It is a hydro chlorofluorocarbon they are banned by the EPA (laughs) it's a refrigerant yeah that is the most 80s thing you can do (laughs) yeah
0: do you know what
2: happens if uh you inhale it uh
0: does it make you tolerate joust for more than
2: (laughs) apparently provides a mild buzz similar to drinking alcohol
0: Hey, I know about that. Yeah, but Yeah, except alcohol does make you sleepy. Yeah, uh, I was going to say alcohol not is a, a depressant. depressant, but it starts out it's as it. a uh, God, as see, a stimulant. You're drunk and awake. Sounds great, right? <laughs>
2: uh, per- not for me
1: I don't personally. Get the stimulant, I just get the depressive. Just the depressive part.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm way more surprised that nobody was like brown bagging like lacquer, or something yeah. <laughs> like that in the back room and just leaving a can of like commercial paint thinner and, in front of the cabinet. And remember, this is the
0: this was a time before energy drinks. Yeah, I mean, you to blast Joel, yourself in the face around, with Freon. Yeah. Plus,
1: you kill all the ozone in your body. Yeah,
2: <laughs> all of the ozone in your
0: body. God, what do you think this fucking like shady scene just looked like after you know multiple days? I just
2: imagine like Mad just Max and he's just spraying out. himself in the mouth of yeah, like... yeah I and mean, yeah, right? like the witness shiny man shiny and chrome
0: <laughs> back to puberty.
2: But guess what? A new record was set. It was done by a guy named James Vol Volant. And, and he proceeded you, to die minutes later. Can you guess what the game was for? Hmm.
1: Callback. Well, I mean, we're
0: not
2: in Donkey Kong territory yet. What game took 53 hours to beat? Wait. From earlier. You can cut out my my long pauses. Nope, yeah. Leaving it all, no, it's all in there. <laughs> joust. Well,
1: okay. Well, we were just talking about joust. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know it was like. Yeah. I, I yeah, thought. I you... was the one that took 53 hours. Yeah. 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 Okay. You but... tr- you were tricking me.
0: Yeah, I was. A little bit. I was. 100%. I, I thought we were. Dude, the one I wasn't going to say was joust because right? so much joust. You know what the
2: record was? 107,216,000. The record that was beat that took 53 hours yeah. was for one hundred and seven million six hundred thousand hmm and that was like 20 years later right <laughs> so <laughs> presumably when i got some yeah, sleep was
1: 2018 right <clears throat> yeah yeah
3: Oh.
0: Well,
2: so yeah
1: I, apologize. Hours. I, I thought this
0: was like gonna tie no. into like
2: no 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 out of nowhere fucking remember earlier when i was mentioning <laughs> it, super sprint his comes record into play. Four, 54 hours or close to to complete yeah 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 the record he was beating was the one that was set at this event Too much joust. Yeah. (laughs) But if you want to throw more fuel into the speculation fire, uh, the leaderboard for joust marathon scores, it actually has 17 scores submitted, and 12 out of the 17 of them are all from the same time period, 1983 to 1985.
0: There were probably multiple people doing, like, those kind of endurance records for arcade games, because they're they're basically endless, you know? Like, I, I genuinely wonder... I don't know the, I don't know what made Joust get so much attention. I mean maybe
2: If you if you, you read down these it. this record list, like it's basically
0: Nothing against Joust.
2: No, nothing just, against Joust. <laughs> uh it, it's basically this guy set this record, right, in nineteen eighty three, uh, for, you know, uh, hundred and one million points. And then this guy, James, comes out in '85, beats it with 107 million. And then people are just kind of scrambling after that to try and even catch up to him, right? And then not just giving up, <laughs> not, not just giving up, right? And it is noted that on the website that this record from 1985 oh, I'm sorry, from '83, from is uh, it, it is contested. And disputed because apparently were there was some electronic malfunctions in the event, which caused him to have to restart. So instead Someone of spilled coffee on and... the yeah. So wait, did so they just he blasted Frey on the <laughs> control panel? Of <laughs> so course. That, did they just like add both the scores
0: then? Like they restarted and yep. then
2: continued from where he left mm-hmm. off. They just added the scores together, which gave him the 107 million. And all I'm saying Maybe is, you break. if I mean... you look at some of these old scores, I think a lot of them are pretty loose. I'm not saying that any of these guys or gals are bad people, nor am I saying that they're lying. But it's just seems sure. super odd that I think that the way they handled it back then just would not fly. Today. No, no, Maybe,
0: and, and and some of this evidence is probably just evaporated to the yeah. ether at this point. Like, like
2: with our understanding of technology and capture cards and Twitch, it just wouldn't fly. Yeah, right. And after the, this Iron Man event, uh,
0: did they didn't do that again after? Did they, or is that the? No, this is the first and last <laughs> Iron Man contest. <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> this is actually this is actually the start where we have Billy's hiatus.
0: Reagan didn't play though. Yeah.
2: No. After submitting a, a high score for Burger Time, Billy spent the next <laughs> ten to Burger fifteen time. Great game. Yeah. Uh Billy spent the next ten to fifteen years away from the arcade. Instead he turned towards building his family's business, successfully building Ricky's into a small chain and popularizing its hot sauce business. Yes.
0: There it is. So this is where this is where that like was, huh? I didn't yeah. know it was so early.
2: And if you think about it, it makes sense, too. Back in the early 80s, you had Arcade Fever, Twin Galaxies was at its peak, Walter Day got this sudden popularity with a Life Magazine article, links him up with Guinness. He's submitting records, and then the bust happens, and he closes doors, right?
0: I mean, and the writing's on the wall with the crash,
2: too, so that well, was still probably a pretty... Yeah, it was a good path to take. <laughs> it, it, if you look at the timeline for Donkey Kong World Records, you'll see that the first record as November 7th, 1982, belonging to Billy Mitchell. The next record after that is in August 17th, 2000. That took some time. It it, it, (laughs) it looks like video game records were just non-fucking-existent for 15 years, if you look at the Guinness uh, record-keeping. Which is weird, because there's still plenty of score-based
0: arcade games that were really popular in the 90s, and...
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, without Walter Day there submitting scores, it really shows that I don't think this was like a super serious thing for Guinness. Okay. At the time, but
0: it, it sounds like, like they needed a figurehead though to really run it all and keep trying. Like nobody was stepping up to fill that void.
2: Yeah, huh. and as the '90s really kept rolling, Twin Galaxies they did resurface at some point uh, within the '96 to '97 range, and by 1998 was online with a forum. Apparently a fairly cheesy forum, but a forum nonetheless.
0: Now well, we're in the connected era now. Yeah. Now everyone <laughs> How has- How cheesy of a forum.
2: Very cheesy. <laughs> it wasn't until 1999 when, according to an article, Mitchell caught wind that a group of Canadians were closing in on obtaining the perfect Pac-Man score.
0: Oh, but he's got to defend his title
2: for America. For America. <laughs> Ultimately, on July 3rd that year, Mitchell was the first officially recognized perfect score for Pac-Man. And this is where the world-famous 256... By who, you ask? Kill screen. None other than Guinness Book of World Records. It's this achievement that prompted Namco to declare Billy Mitchell the video game player of the century, Mm. fly him out to Japan... Brought him on stage at the Tokyo Game Show, presented him with an award, and offered him a chance to meet the creators oh, of Pac Man. That footage has got to be out. Toru Iwatani and Namco founder Masayaya Nakamura.
0: Yes. Which they came up on not just the Pac Man episode, but our Tetris one as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Toro Iwatani is in Pixels. <laughs>
0: oh my God! He has a cameo. He gets his hand like bitten off. As
1: himself, as the father of Pac-Man, he has to. Yeah, he has to.
2: He gets his hand bitten off by Pac-Man. Yeah, by
1: Pac-Man, he has to. They fly in. (laughs) You know, it sounds like we're making. They fly in the father of Pac-Man in order to tame his son. It's a good movie, dude.
2: (laughs) I can't wait to watch it.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, Uh, we. It's. I don't want to speak too soon, but we may also do a commentary of that in the future.
2: <laughs> I hope so. I'll stay awake this time. I swear. I'll, there's a lot to be said about like this perfect Pac-Man score. There. No,
0: the kill screen is like an iconic moment in gaming. It's historic. It is, and but it's the, uh, it was a it's a techni- I mean the, the from a techno it's a bit probably like the two fifty
1: six yes. like yeah. But there,
2: there's a lot more to it. to it. It's a that.
1: buffer overflow. Right. It so, is. Yes.
2: Uh, there's a lot more to it, though, because there's a lot of accounts out there that he wasn't the first person to hit the kill screen.
0: He was the first people knew about or, or understood what it was? He was the
2: first person to be validated by Guinness Book of World Records as hitting the kill screen. I see.
0: I knew that, but I think he's also been on record kind of arguing that he he was the first. So I mean, that's hearsay. I mean, it's his word over...
1: Yeah. But if there's if there was no... Documented wasn't, proof. But wasn't before there that. some like fuckery going on? Yeah, with that around what constitutes a perfect yes, game. Yes, I think so. Yep.
2: So there's okay. a lot of semantics involved, right? You got to look at two big things: one, who validated his score, and then what constituted a perfect game.
0: Yeah, because it's like there, are the stages. I mean, that that well, glitch, kind of or bug, whatever you call it, happens when you hit the the 257th stage, right?
2: Yeah. Not, yeah. It's
0: not a score-based. No,
2: it is. Oh, is it? It is. Yeah. So the, the big thing is it, the perfect score was set by Twin Galaxies as 3,333,360 points. Okay, that is that's... what constitutes a perfect game of Pac-Man. However, on a Pac-Man arcade board, uh, I hope I don't get this wrong, the PCB, PCB <clears throat> board, right? Yep. Like the actual cabinet. There, there is a Switch. That switch allows you to start with either three lives or five lives. Do you get you st- more or less points by starting Every extra life is an extra uh is extra points at the end of the game.
0: Right. Along with time, I think your time allotted is also Is it in Pac Man one?
2: I, I don't believe so, no. No.
0: Okay, so then maybe I'm thinking of miss Pac Man. I was trying to remember. They they added like bonuses later. I mean all the new the modern ones do, the the way they're represented in like championship and mm-hmm. ninety nine and everything. So if you start with three lives or start with five lives, if you make it there in three, you will inherently like you will have more points than if somebody made it there in five.
1: No, no, opposite, opposite, opposite. Because oh, you get sorry. bonus points <sighs> at the end of the game for the the e- extra lives, extra you, lives have. you have. Can and you a, perf, li- you a perf, you can earn lives in Pac-Man one as well. Yes.
0: So, I don't know what the max is that you can have, but. But you're you're already you're already starting a, off with two extra.
1: A perfect game of Pac-Man uh, implies that you never get hit, right? So yeah. the more lives you start with, the more points you end with. Essentially. Got
3: it. Hmm.
1: I wonder.
0: I guess that flip, that switch is probably just in there to make the game more <laughs> like for a casual player. <laughs> like well, it depends. Uh, it's
1: you. How many quarters you want to squeeze out of people? I guess.
0: So I was. I mean, mine. Like I always remember Pac-Man being three lives so it goes to show what the bulk of them were probably set to yep or how many people even really knew about it
2: that you could switch it yeah yeah there was there's was a third setting too i think it was called plus 1 um that was like it determined how many extra lives you would get uh but regardless yeah so i didn't mean to get off the this no, whole no. tangent but so when you look at the perfect game of Pac-Man and you have it on the three setting right there are people who there are, there are claims out there that there are people who have hit the kill screen on three lives, right? Because that was mm. the officially accepted Pac Man record up until Billy hit it on the five lives. Then that oh. became, from some accounts, overnight the de facto perfect Pac Man score.
0: I mean, he had to have known the tournament rules. I mean, like, for at least for competitive Pac Man play, it was probably everybody was doing three until. They made
2: the rules. Uh, if he was a part of that board, then... Yeah. Was it a loophole, then, rather than a... In my opinion, it was more like there were people out there who were really good at Pac-Man who probably hit the kill screen on three lives, okay. right? I mean, he's undeniably good at Pac-Man. He is. But, uh, he's a really good Pac-Man player. But maybe that, that but, title but isn't the. T- but to be definitive. the first person to beat... to get a perfect game of Pac-Man... Yeah. You gotta remember, like, Walter Day is the king of attracting media attention to things, right? Like No, okay, now I... When you say, okay, I got a 3,333,280 score on 3-plus Pac-Man, that means nothing to people. But if you say, I got the perfect game of Pac-Man and I was the first person to do it... Even people who don't play video games or Pac-Man. Yeah, they're like, holy shit, a perfect game of Pac-Man? Because he was. He was the first person to get uh, a record in the 5-life variant. Yeah. Right? And when the people who are judging that are Walter Day, who you've been friends with,
0: then that's the two-step process. I mean, yeah, it's it's done,
2: right? <laughs> so it's like there's a lot of debate about that, and like a lot of debate about, uh, like you know, was the system just like the uh, eyebrow essentially rigged in his it? favor?
1: I mean, it sounds like like a loophole to me, but you could say that... It's more of a news... Essentially, it's more of a news story for Billy Mitchell to get the first... Yes. uh, ...kill screen perfect game than it is for a bunch of random people nobody's ever heard of in Canada. Yep, totally. So, like, it was kind of... They changed the rules to make it a news story so that Billy could do it. Yes. Yeah.
2: Because he already had, like... Some credibility and popularity within the video game realm. Sure, you know but, he held other but records. But this was definitely where he held I, Burger I, Time. Uh, he held Donkey Kong. He held like he held a lot of games. They don't video have the same ring
0: as as Pac-Man. As yeah, as a perfect game. As of a perfect Pac-Man. game of Pac-Man. Yeah,
2: right. Because there's no perfect game of Donkey Kong.
0: Yeah. So so, th- so this is yeah this is when he became like a you know an iconic figurehead of
2: yeah I, I would say that like. I mean, he wasn't like clout chasing. I don't think a lot of people really cared at the time in terms of mainstream media. But yeah, like, maybe to it's the, more in retrospect. like to the to the niche hobby enthusiast at the time. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. You yeah, know. Yeah,
0: and i because mean, I, I I've seen photos from that like yeah. like where he's like signing autographs and yeah. shit. You
2: know. Yeah, I mean, what really propelled him into the mainstream limelight was definitely. King of Kong. Yeah, that's why I had that in the open. But, like, I mean, that's how I...
3: You
0: know. I obviously
2: don't know the inner workings of Twin Galaxies at the time, or what happened, or how they decided this, or what happened. Because there's also, like I said, a ton of conflicting accounts mm-hmm. that like, no, he was just like the first person to get it. There are people who are saying no, it was right from the start. There are people who are saying like Walter Day was in on it. It was to help promote the resurgence of Twin Galaxies. I mean, I feel like they would have, if
0: somebody else raised their hand and said that they did it Prior than they would ask for proof to surface, right? I mean, but the,
2: but the thing about it is like the or
0: not to, to, to discredit like this could that could have yeah. totally happened, like you know.
2: There there have been yeah, the, like I don't want to people been playing Pac Man religiously for. There was definitely a uh, a, this, a former employee of Twin Galaxies who came out and like really just like I mean he kind of came off as a few screws loose because he was very. <laughs> uh adamant that that in terms of his vitriol and hatred towards billy mitchell that he put out a lot of these like amateur documentaries like i'm going to expose him i mean he he is kind of a heel but this this guy was this guy was claiming that there was like a dude in florida who had the perfect game of pac-man and he submitted the tape but like it got lost in the mail magically that, like twin galaxies yeah, yeah, did like this the... yeah a lot of like the tinfoil hat conspiracy like gotcha. yeah they're they're hiding the tapes. Yeah, the enemies early
0: on <laughs> it's, it's, yeah and and I, I i sorry i should uh clarify when I say heal I just mean sometimes his like he has a confident demeanor yeah a hundred percent
2: hundred he's he's like, competitive and he is he's a competitive person i don't think you get into playing video games like that unless you like our suits true I and mean, he can back it up yeah but... and, and to his credit too i mean it's not like it's not like he was actively seeking the limelight like and and just trying to rock it towards i mean he no, took, he, he took was like a, 10 I'm 15 years off overly aggressive or anything i just got married like he lived a life yeah, yeah like turned his family business into a successful business and and came back and did it and like it's interesting to say the least like I'm excited to talk more about Billy Mitchell. Yeah, because like I kind of have a, a a very neutral opinion on the whole situation in the sense that like I can totally see where he's coming from, which hopefully I mean it, I'll be able to explain it, it.
0: It's a conversation to really dissect just the like the media's how the media painted him and yeah, you know,
2: like because he has the confident demeanor. It, it's like the tallest tree gets the most wind, and it's like it's easy to paint him that way and it it makes people feel good when when you know they're taking down the the evil guy but at the end of the day i think he's just a dude from florida <laughs> like he seems yeah. just like a normal human being that like to be honest there there seems like way more different ways he could have went about it some better some far worse yeah. i think i think he like i'm yeah.
0: excited to watch that movie
2: <laughs> uh, it's going to be interesting <laughs> to I see how like I I want to actually pay more attention into like how they cut the scenes with him in it, uh, and how they like paint it. And like, I mean, the...
0: reportedly, he was not ha- pleased with
1: how he came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or how he, uh, sorry, how he comes off. In... Yeah. He is definitely the villain in yeah. that movie. Yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah. Well, it's I mean it's more or less like an underdog story. hmm Because Ex-
2: and... it's how they frame the other guy. But... And despite the fact that I am uh, severely afraid of litigation and legal troubles here. Oh, uh, I'm not. uh, Oh. oh, oh. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's that's your name on (laughs) it. Thank Um, you for joining us on your... uh, I'm I'm John Smith. (laughs) Yeah, John Smith. John Doe, number one. (laughs) No, like, I I think there's mistakes that he made as well. Sure. Uh, Obviously. I, I know you'll get into those. Yeah, but it's... Like Twin Galaxies it's definitely at, a defense yeah. overall too. Like yeah. I'm not gonna lie. It's kind of a shit show. <laughs> yeah. Like their heart was in the right place. It really was. I feel like they were trying to legitimize no, video and games conceptually, at a time. They,
0: they kind of did. Like they did. for
2: sure. It's just the way and like the more you dig into it. The more you dig into it, the more you say like this was like real fast and loose. It's just kind of weird because like the Twin Galaxies is just another company, but when they get a company like Guinness Book of World Records tied to them, it immediately legitimizes everything they do. I mean, in at
0: least in the the public eye, though I, I do know that um, the Guinness Book of World Records has come under fire for, like, awards they've given out elsewhere, but, well, but I mean, by and large, and like... I'm talking the, about the, the there, good old days no, of Guinness. It, you, hey, it was gospel like I had I had some of those books yeah. and stuff growing up. You would be inclined to. I read really it every single understand. time I went to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> like they still printed those like big hearty books yeah. for the for the fairs at school. Hundred like, percent. the Two
2: thousands. Like Guinness Book Records. I mean, it's it's definitely come uh, a long way. I mean, you can. I don't hear about them as much anymore. That's because you could submit anything for a record as long as you pay the, the fee. Find a new category. 100%. There's okay. a record for everything, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of it now is about just like uh, you got to pay the, the $400, $500 fee. If you want to judge, a.k.a. to adjudicate it, uh, a.k.a. get it done faster, uh, it'll cost maybe upwards of like 1500 But if you look online at like the different records out the, out there, some of them are just ludicrous. <laughs> I swear to you. It's like the YouTube know, channel... The fee, like- Dedicated strictly and only to VR chat with the most subscribers. It's like a record. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> but yeah. But what are your thoughts? I feel like I've just been sitting here spouting about Twin Galaxies. For, no, for,
0: for I've just this. been. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm. I. I was. I was just focused. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I know. I know the. Uh, the end. I feel like Walter Day is. Walter Day is probably portrayed the most correctly in that movie, because they just show he's just like a very old, very passionate guy. Yeah. And like, I think he just kind of like legitimately really liked video games. That's awesome. And legitimately had the opportunity to be like the adjudicator for Guinness and there was no like i'm going to make so much money off this thing he was just like he sold as a
0: sport before Yeah, yeah else he did. was like,
1: like i'm going to do this and i'm going to put these video games on the map and it was just like there was too much it was too much i think yeah it sounds like like when you say it's a shit like... show it was like it wasn't a shit show on purpose it was just no. like so well, much to no they were figuring it out guy. yeah like
2: it's yeah and I mean, like, the first the first pass through is never a clean cut, so it's like, he really did, uh, like, pave the way.
0: <laughs> As evident by with the Major League Gaming and stuff, and we oh, talked yeah. about that. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, there's a reason Guinness didn't do it until Walter Day came along. And yeah. And it's the exact reason it was a shit show, you, you needed you know? someone like him. Yeah.
2: And, like, he, he is definitely still passionate about video oh, games. Yeah. Like. It, it's just that's a it. shame of how it kind of like unfolds because he like when you have someone that's that that wholesome right and that kind hearted they, they tend to get a following around them of just like pretty like less than savory characters mm, sure and there's a lot
0: of trust and
2: misplaced yeah. trust too i
0: mean like now <laughs> competitive games and esports is like a billion dollar industry Oh, yeah. You know, it wasn't then.
2: I mean, back then, you were like, you got like $100, and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Nowadays, people have like buyout contracts for like two hundred (laughs) and fifty
1: grand. It's like, Jesus Christ. It's crazy. Like. I I mean, you want to talk about not just eSports, but professional gaming, I mean. Oh, well, all the sponsors come in and. uh, Talk about like the buyout contracts for like Twitch streamers, it's like. Ninja and Shrouds mixer contracts that got bought out by Microsoft.
2: Yeah, that was money well spent. Yeah. It's easy to attack people on the top. I know there's a ton of people out there that are trying to be streamers that are trying to, like, oh, yeah, yeah. trying to do the grind, all that jazz. God bless them. This is the part where I say, like, man, I was just born in the wrong generation. (laughs) Fuck no. I'd never want to be a streamer. No. Oh yeah, yeah, no, me neither. Yeah,
1: there was a. I don't envy that lifestyle.
2: We at do have all, a Twitch
1: channel. All. We have never streamed. <laughs> That's we what, Probably like never we do. will. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Maybe one day.
1: It is not an easy, not an easy life. No, like <laughs> we're just Truman showing ourselves. This. Yeah,
2: a hundred percent. At least with a podcast, it's like Ludwig. <laughs> you say what you gotta say. Oh, love, love. Yep, the dude, his smash commentary is so good. <laughs> but. Yeah, like with a podcast, it's like okay, we get to talk in a room, we put it out there. That is like the the riskiest that we do. When you're streaming, it's like, dude, I'd be afraid that like the camera would catch me wrong, and I'd be just lo- looking like a fat slob.
1: I, should, I mean, the it, hardest part of podcasting is the fact that I have to edit this this stuff for hours and hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is a, a luxury can't, that I can't streamers imagine don't get.
0: A life without
1: <laughs> <laughs> without editing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's terrifying to me. That yeah. makes all my sounds sound professional. <laughs> you
1: know I'm gonna I, make that sound real bad. I know. I can't <laughs> wait.
0: Well, next time, join us, and uh, we'll 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 dive further into the uh,
1: the
2: king, the king himself, the yeah. king yep. of Kong. <laughs> Billy Mitchell is a very interesting character. I cannot wait to talk more about him. Yeah, yes. same here.
1: We'll talk about the man, the and myth, I, the legend. And I think this was important to uh,
2: getting there, because otherwise you wouldn't really
0: like kind of understand the like him and where he came from. And no, the I mean we, and...
1: you know, we kind of did the similar thing to the movie. I mean, the movie starts True. talking yeah. about twin galaxies, so. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really talk about Billy Mitchell without talking about Twin Galaxies. They're, no, you really kind can't of he's kind of that. intertwined into that story. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll do some plugs. Join us on part two, uh, where. Randy will be trying Ricky's world famous Louisiana hot sauce live, <laughs> right. on, live on the air God, I agreed to that yep. Dude,
2: it's really good
1: it is a really good hot sauce <laughs> um, it was tough to
0: find for a little while I'm glad it it's is. back yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah thanks for listening Um Bring me some chips you can find our podcast on our website hotbuttoncast.com you can also find it on I'm just gonna stop saying specific services. It's on everything, (laughs) everything that pulls from iTunes RSS feed. Yeah, there's
0: probably I can't think of a Um, place where not.
1: Yeah, Apple, you know Google, Spotify, whatever. Uh, Subscribe on whatever service uh, you prefer, (laughs) and uh, also follow our social media: Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Hot Button Cast. And there we're gonna post, uh, you know. Previews for what's coming up and uh, you'll be able to see when our episodes are coming, when our commentaries for these movies are coming. Yeah. Uh, a little side note, uh, in the past, we've done one commentary and we did it before the episode. This time we're doing it after. <laughs> yes. So if you're listening to this and like looking for the commentary, it's not out yet. <laughs> uh, it probably is out maybe, but listen to the part one and part two before you dive into the movie commentary <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: it'll help a lot <laughs> yes yes um but yeah uh thank you awesome thank you chris yeah we'll be back we'll be back with part two